Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Art of Neighboring, Part 2, The Time Barrier, recorded Sunday, August 15th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Parker with today's message. Uh, This whole year has been a setup. Last fall, we prayed together and we met together about the path that God wanted us to take on Sunday morning experiences here at Third City. And it became really clear that we needed to work at recovery, at rebuilding, and at reinstating our purpose as followers of Jesus. And so we started the year with inner work, if you remember. And we worked out from there. In January, we talked about the end of me where we would surrender our lives to God, lose our lives to gain it, to find peace and to find power. And then we talked about the beginning of we, talking about worshiping, serving, and growing how we fit together as a church. And then we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, about how people encounter us and are impacted by us when God is working through our lives. And now we come to a point where there's an intentional pivot outward, to the people around us. The Art of Neighboring series is like a software download and update to our vision of Love Unlimited. It's installing new functions, new features, new tools for us to use as we live out our lives as followers of Jesus here as a church under the vision of Love Unlimited. So the next few weeks of content are really just the download progress bar to this software update. And the Art of Neighboring started last week. Who better to start us off than the author, Dave Runyon, who shared with us that it's an interesting and embarrassing thing to admit that one of the biggest focuses of Jesus on how we spend our time here on planet Earth has been lost, and that's loving God and loving our neighbor. He challenged us, what if the love your neighbor part wasn't just a metaphor for fellow human beings, but it actually meant the people that we live around. And so we took the first step, being challenged to get to know our neighbors' names. And we know that it'll take a few weeks, but hopefully you got started in some of those fun, awkward, weird conversations of introducing yourself for the third time and getting to know their name for the fourth time. And hopefully you're filling out that tic-tac-toe board of people's names and some information about them. And today we're going to work through the barrier that probably kept us from knowing those names in the first place. It's arguably the biggest barrier between how we're living now and how Jesus is calling us to live, to love God and to love the people around us. And that's the time barrier. We don't have enough time for our families, let alone our neighbors. We don't have enough time for one more relationship. We don't have time for one more thing. And honestly, for being honest, we don't even have time for Jesus. We're in a hurry. We're too busy. We're a hurry sick people. We have busy sickness. Here's our problem. John Ortberg puts it this way. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And he coins the phrase hurry sickness. And he goes on to say that the reason hurrying is so dangerous is because, and here's our problem, love and hurry are not at all compatible. Because love always takes time, and time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. 
Our problem is the time barrier. Time is our most valuable resource. You can make more money, you can make new friends, you can even regain your health in some cases. You cannot make more time. And the funny thing about time is we're all spending it and we can't stop spending it. And at some point, we'll run out of it here on planet Earth. And I don't need to explain for a second how busy we are and how somehow busy somehow sneakily replaced the age-old answer good to the question, how are you doing? Good? No, busy. And our hurry-sick culture goes, wow, you must be so important. <laughs> like, your life must rock. How do I get busy? Instead of going, well, they're probably struggling with what's important to them, you know, priorities and boundaries. Maybe they're really stressed. We have more time-saving devices than ever before in history. We have refrigerators that basically order our groceries for us. We have cars that would drive for us. We have AI assistants on our wrist. And we have this. <laughs> this is very important. This will save you 10 seconds. I've received this gift twice in my life. What does that mean? All of this, but we only feel more full. How do we unwind the chaos of our busy, sick lives, and how do we get full on the good stuff, not the junk stuff? John said in John chapter 10, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come so that they, you and I, might have life and have it to the full. Full of what? That's what we need to figure out. We are already so full, we can't hold anything more. Where do we begin to win our time back so that hurriedness and busyness isn't a barrier between us and Jesus, let alone the people who are called to love, our neighbors? I thought about swinging at low-hanging fruit to win you some time back today, just coming out and preaching about your screen time and then just praying it out, you know, just telling you our challenge this week is to spend an hour on our front porch or our front lawn or in the uh, common space in our apartment to have some more conversations with people. And I thought, well, you just look at your screen time. It's probably 5 to 13 hours, whatever it is. You just chisel an hour, hour out of that. And I've given you a gift. There you go. Go and do. Um, but if that worked, it would have worked by now, right? Even the companies that want you addicted to their product warn you that you're spending too much time on them and it doesn't change anything. The life hacks would have worked by now. Those articles we read about productivity would have worked by now. Having your groceries delivered would have won you back time to play board games with your family again by now. But every moment we free up, we just fill with more junk, and then we lose our time all over again. I think there's actually more to it than just chiseling out an hour. I think there's some healing that needs to happen. And we need to go through it when it comes to being hurry sick. The diagnosis for what is making us so hurried and the cure is found in a short story that takes place after Jesus was challenged about what is the most important way we should spend our time where he revealed his focus on us loving God and loving our neighbors, the people around us. 
the very next thing he does is he addresses the time barrier. And I learned so much from this story. I kind of got bummed that I had to preach about Mary and Martha. I was like, what about the verse where Peter chops a guy's ear off? Like, that would be so much more fun. But this really came alive uh, to me this week. So this is Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, 2,000 years ago in this culture... When guests were coming over, it solely landed on the shoulders of the women to prepare a home. There was no text ahead. There was no calendar invites. It was like they showed up with dusty feet and you had to go, go mode. And so Mary chose not to do that. And Martha, she's not being evil here. She's just falling victim to the pressures of her culture, you see. Martha was distracted. That's a very important word, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him, Jesus, and asked. And I imagine Martha as a strong-willed woman with a Boston accent. So, uh, Lord, (laughs) don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. Only they would say it three times as fast. They'd say, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. That would be New England, right? I've been there, and I've tried to order a coffee from a New Englander, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I have no idea what you're saying. And he says, Martha, Martha. He says, Martha, twice. Like, she's going back into the room to get busy again. And he's like, Martha, look at me. He says, you're so upset, and you're so worried about so many things. And it only takes a few things. It only takes one thing. And what Mary has chosen is better. What you're doing is good but what your sister has chosen is better. And it won't be taken from her. What did Mary choose? What couldn't be taken from her? It couldn't have been the physical presence of Jesus because he was about to move on to the next town, right? It couldn't have been sitting and doing nothing all day. It's not like Mary's never going to do chores again. What did she choose? In the middle of a life scenario and a culture that demanded she hurry and be busy, She chose not to. She chose peace. A Jesus-centered peace. Biblical peace means free from disturbance or distraction. John chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you, and my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid or distracted or upset or worried. What if we have no peace? And that's why we have no time. A Jesus-centered peace will cure your hurry sickness. Martha had the opposite of peace. She was distracted, upset, and worried, and maybe you are too. In the busyness of life and the pressures of her culture, she had lost sight of what was important to her. The main thing got lost. Jesus himself literally got in the room and she missed it. But are we so different? Is our culture's demand so different? Maybe the reaction and the reason that we have no time is because you're distracted. Distracted by the things that aren't really important to you. Listen, it's just like budgeting money. 
You must decide where you're going to spend your time or someone or something else will. Netflix would love to choose how you spend your time. Facebook does a great job at deciding on how you're going to spend your time. Your job will take as much as you want to give. It will be a black hole of time if you let it. Choose your news outlet. They would love to decide how you're going to use your time. Your kids' schedules and activities would love to choose how your family lives. Maybe you have no peace and you have no time because you're upset. You're upset that the people around you have more and a better life, at least on Instagram. And so you spend all your time trying to become like them. Maybe you're upset about things in the news that you can't control, but you throw your whole life into it, and you suck other people into it too. If I'm upset about this, you must be as well. And we're going to spend our whole evening being angry about things we cannot control. Maybe you're upset about where you are in life, and so you're numbing it with infinity streaming entertainment. Maybe you're upset and it's stealing your time. Maybe you have no peace and no time because you're worried. You're worried that you won't be enough or that they won't like you if you don't do it all. Or you're worried that you don't have enough in savings or you're worried about the things you can't control. You're upset and worried about them. Or you're worried about what people think about your family if you aren't there. Fill in the blank on wherever there is. Listen, I've spent my whole life here too. And every town west of Lincoln is still small town enough that it still has small town pressures and cliques, and you know it. You're a grown man, and you are still feeling pressure from high school. You're a grown woman, and you are still bowing to the pressures and the cliques from high school. And it's wasting your time, stealing your time, because you're worried about it. Maybe you're worried, and that's wasting your time. And in the middle of it all, we've lost sight of the main thing. The world isn't going to bring us the peace we're looking for, a full calendar, a fat to-do list, doing things because they like us. And at some point, we wake up and we realize we've absolutely lost control of our lives and time. We actually get to see this amazing moment in Martha's life. This peace that Jesus gives hits her. Her brother Lazarus, a buddy of Jesus, was deathly ill. And he, they called for Jesus, but he was a few towns away and he came a few days late. And Jesus was never really accused of being a guy that was in a hurry. Uh, but he got a lot of stuff done in a little amount of time, I would say. And Lazarus dies. Jesus knew he would. But he had something greater to give. And so Jesus is walking up to the town that they live in, and Martha runs out, can't even wait, in such a hurry, he can't even show up. They're a mile out, and he runs to her, she runs to him. And Jesus has met with her going like this, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. If you would have hurried. But then there's a period in the scripture, which signifies a pause. I imagine a flashback to the last time Martha saw Jesus face to face. And he said, Martha, Martha, look at me. You're upset and you're worried about so many things. And it only takes one thing, and it can't be taken from you. 
And then something is said that's so peaceful that it sounds like it's coming from a different person. Martha says, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, period. But I know God will do whatever you ask. And Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And Martha goes, I know, last resurrection, I've read about it a hundred times. He goes, Martha, I am, bold statement, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see a resurrection of peace in Martha's soul. It's almost childlike. And Jesus is saying, I am the life. I came to bring life so that you may live life to the full. I bring peace, not that the world brings. And you don't have to be hurried or distracted or upset or worried. And he asks if she believes it. And she says, yeah. I believe you are the Savior. You're the one thing I need. Peace restored. And then Jesus says, take me to your brother and watch this. And he raises Lazarus from the dead in front of a ton of witnesses. And it wasn't busy or hurry or everything else expected of him that brought life back, both in resurrection and Martha's wounded heart and Lazarus' dead body. It was peace that came from God that couldn't be taken away. How bad do you want that? How bad do you need that? Are the waves of busy and hurry just drowning you? Could you pause like Mary and soak in the moment? Could you pause and remember the goodness of God like Martha? That'll cure your hurry. That'll cure your busy. That'll get you your time back. And it will help you focus and bring focus back to what's important to you. Better yet, what's important to Jesus. And that's to love God and to love the people around you. Now, I've got to take you somewhere and it's not fun to go. But we need to go there. In men's fraternity, the other most life-changing experience for me besides rooted, in order to graduate, in order to step into biblical manhood... You had to decide what you wanted people to say about you at your funeral, not leave it to chance. You decide. And you accept responsibility for it. And then you backbuild from there. What will my life be? Decide what your life will be known for. He had a nice car. She really loved to shop. Man, he loved to hunt. She was always busy. He was always so hurried or he was a man of his word. And there was no doubt in his family and his friends' mind that they loved him and that he loved them. Or she was so kind and gracious and giving. You decide. If you're comfortable, I want to invite you to just close your eyes and I want to take you somewhere. I need you to close your eyes and think of the five or six people that are most important to you. They're standing around you. Now expand that to 10 or 12. Now I need you to fast forward 20, 40, 50 years, whatever. Some of those people are still there. Some of them aren't. You're in an elevated bed and the needle in your arm is so irritating, but it's the only thing giving you five more minutes. How did you spend your life now that you're out of time? 
What are you glad you spent your time on? What do you regret spending your time on? Who's there that you wish you would have spent more time with? Who isn't there that you wish you would have taken the time to be with? Come back into this room and you can open your eyes. Do you see how important this is? This isn't about carving one hour out of your week. Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we might get a heart of wisdom. Our time's been hijacked by distractions, by things that upset us by things we've given our worry to, and they aren't the important things. And they aren't the main thing. Love and hurry are incompatible because love takes time, and time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. Jesus came to give you life, not a life full of junk, but life to the full. Full of peace, full of purpose. He offers you peace that wipes away distractions and disturbances. So you can use your time on what's important to you and better yet, what's important to him. To love God and to love your neighbor. Maybe you've been so busy serving Jesus that you forgot who Jesus is. Martha's story is a great wake-up call for us in ministry or to key volunteers or people who have been in the church for 20, 30 years. Maybe you've been so distracted you've forgotten about the people around you, including your family. Maybe you've been so worried about the things that aren't important, you don't know what is anymore. I want to invite you into his, his peace. I want to invite you into a pause, like Mary at his feet, like Martha taking a moment to remember who he is. And I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, to close your eyes again, and I want to lead you through a prayer. This is between you and Jesus. And maybe you've never prayed before or you haven't prayed in a really long time, but listen, his peace is so much better than whatever lie you're believing that's keeping you from this moment. Your pride, your ego, your fear, thinking he won't listen to you, whatever that is, his peace is better. I'll start. Jesus, you came to give us life, life to the full. You came to give us a gift of peace that the world couldn't give. You died on a cross to take away the sins of whoever believe in you so they could have eternal peace. And you give us this peace, not just for us to sit in it, but for us to get up, to go and offer it to our neighbor. Now I want you to pray about your hurry sickness. Where do you need him to bring peace right now? Where are you drowning? Now I want you to pray about what has you distracted, upset, or worried, and it's robbing you of your time. Now I want you to pray about your priorities that need to change now that you've thought about the moment that you've ran out of time. 
what needs to change today. Jesus brings you a peace that is found in him that can never be taken away. Just like Jesus asked Martha if she believed this, he asks you, do you believe this? Martha said, yeah. I believe that you're my savior. You're the one thing I need and everything else will fall into its place if I make the main thing the main thing instead of being distracted and upset and worried about so many things, Jesus, you are my one thing. Jesus invites us into a moment of peace, remembering his sacrifice and a price that he paid that we could never. He taught us that taking communion helps us pause to feel grateful and thankful and worship a God who brings peace into a broken world. So we had to talk about the wounds of hurry sickness and the freedom found in the peace that Jesus brings so that we could not be so full of junk, what has us distracted and upset and worried. We want our lives back. We want our lives to matter and mean something. We want our time back. Would you find something that's distracting you or upsetting you or making you worried that doesn't have to be a part of your life for just one hour this week and instead spend that hour on your front porch, in your front lawn, the common space of your apartment, going on a walk in your neighborhood, just expecting conversation. Maybe you've known some of the names, uh, maybe you don't and now it's time to do that work. And maybe you need some help on follow-up questions. Here's my go-to three. Here's your cheat sheet. So if you see these questions uh, in conversation with me, you know I'm just trying to get to know you. Are you from around here? Do you have family here? Do you travel often? If you need next steps and you need to know how to start that next conversation, great place to start. And maybe it'll get you the first time, so that way you can get to know names. A Jesus-centered peace will heal your hurry sick and remove the time barrier. And so you need to go in that peace. And with that time that you've been given, love God and love your neighbor. That's the art of neighboring. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.